0: Well, here we are in August, which means we are into the dog days of summer. You've heard that, right? (laughs) Uh, Dog days of summer. Where's that come from? Well, you know, I Googled it. Let me just share that to you. The phrase actually is a reference to the fact that the sun occupies the same part of the sky as Sirius, the brightest star visible from Earth and part of the constellation Canis Major, the greater dog. Sirius actually rises and sets during this time of the year at the same time as the sun, during Roman times, the belief was that the star was so bright it added to the Earth's warmth. They referred to that time as dog days. So, you know, rough, rough, I guess, right? Hey, it's uh, Tim Patterson. This is a Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee for August 3rd, 2020. Welcome. I appreciate you uh, checking in uh, with me again this week as we kind of make it through the year. In August, yes, it's true. Uh, you can find me at tradeshowguide.net. There's a lot of other websites that I do, uh, websites for each of the books I've written, also for the exhibit company I run and for the blog. Um, but if you just go to tradeshowguide.net, they're all linked there. That's kind of our our hub so whether you uh walk your dog every day or whether you're not you even have a dog it's it's a hot time of the year usually the hottest here in the northern hemisphere thanks to the tilt of the little ball that we call home that's actually what gives us all the heat not not the serious dog star (laughs) this week on the show i sit down and chat with lisa apolinski uh, of three dog right to talk about virtual trade shows and events and how to handle things online and not to worry about the the little stuff really uh, dealing with the digital world when face-to-face meetings are not happening. So let me give you a proper introduction to Lisa. She's the CEO of Three Dog Wright Incorporated, a full-service digital consulting agency. She founded in 2012, so she's coming up on 10 years soon. She works with businesses who want to accelerate revenue and take market share using digital means. As a speaker, she uh, teaches business leaders how to affect sales growth with their digital content strategy in the last eight years. She's helped her clients create nearly a billion dollars in revenue growth. Her first book, Weathering the Digital Storm, has been used by businesses around the world to fortify their digital growth strategies in unpredictable times. Because of her thought leadership on digital engagement, she's been dubbed America's digital content futurist. Great conversation. Here is how that went. I want to welcome Lisa Apolinski of Three Dog Write to the Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. Lisa, it's been a while. How are you doing? Nice to see you.
1: Nice to see you too. I'm doing very well.
0: So, Three Dog Write, tell me uh, just kind of recap where that came from, how long that's been around, and what you've been doing. You're basically working on your own for a lot of different uh, clients and corporations, doing writing and creating stuff. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, I started my company in 2012. Um and at that time, if you recall, the focus was on blogging. So yes. it's all about creating blogging content. Um that information and that focus has kind of come full circle now. Um digital content really is key at this point to any engagement. And that includes, you might not think about it, but that actually includes. Podcasts, yep. webinars, virtual oh, yeah. events, all of it is content because we are educating, we are informing and we are entertaining and creating that content, especially in this new normal that we're in and where everybody is online all the time. Um, they're looking for content that will actually help them solve problems. Um, I've seen an interesting shift in everything that we're doing in terms of digital content. There's still some people that are trying to hold on to what we used to do. Yeah. Um, you know, changes, is, changes is hard for everybody. And we know that, but this is a really, as far as I'm concerned, this is a really exciting time. You know, um, it's funny. You
0: talk about change and embracing change. I've always kind of had the mindset over the years of embracing change. And I, th- I suspect I thought about it, I, this is more, more difficult for me to do that at this point than at a lot of other times in my life. But having said that, I realized that you kind of have to do that. And a lot of companies I see are really embracing change. I've seen some organizations. I know NAB had a virtual event for their NAB show, which normally would have been in uh, in April in Vegas. And some other companies have done uh, their virtual trade shows as you were at virtual expos with speakers and content and all that sort of, sort of stuff. So certainly a lot of companies are making their way forward. And I think the the mindset at that point of doing that coming out of March and April was oh, fall will come shows will come back. And you know, this will be temporary. And it's turning out to be if it is temporary, it's not the temporary that we thought and so we're kind of heading into the fall show season and a lot of the shows are not happening i know that uh shows in january ces is now going to be completely digital i just heard that i think yesterday or the day before yep Uh, and that's a really big show and that's a really big decision and and part of the uh, press release i'm just kind of riffing off of it uh and i'll get back to you is that they they said that's a more expensive way to go really which i thought was interesting Um, but they just decided to do it just be to keep people safe and it's just a different world
1: absolutely absolutely and Like you said, I mean, we're going into the fall trade show season and the question now is how do associations pivot to create a virtual event that still can have the interaction that attendees seek? Um, I think it's great that they're moving into a virtual event. Um, As you and I know, being in this industry for so long, there have been attempts to do some kind of a virtual hybrid, but then we kind of went away from that and went back to, oh, let's do in person. And yeah, right because yeah. the, the there's so much value I mean,
0: in person, I, I agree. Uh, yeah. And now that we can't do that, uh, not to the extent that we'd like to, you know we kind of, kind of embrace the digital. Um, so what kind of things what kind of challenges, what kind of roadblocks do we come up against?
1: So, the biggest roadblock that I'm seeing in terms of the conversations I've had with both associations and companies is moving into this virtual space without changing the mindset. How do we set up and execute? Um, They're stuck in what I like to call production perfection. Um, You know, when we've done in person trade shows, they have that down to an absolute machine science, right? I mean, everything just goes one after the other. They have that locked down and everything is seamless. Now suddenly we're asking them, hey, you're in this whole new environment, figure it out. Oh, and you know what, technology, it screws up and (laughs) it'll cut on you and interruptions will happen and, you know, people won't understand time zones. I mean, I've had that happen to me.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, is true.
1: I've panicked, thinking, "Oh my God, am I supposed to be on right now?" I mean, this is the world we live in. But virtual events have a different logistical type of parameters. But the attendee uh, wish list is still really the same. They want to have information that's going to help them do their jobs, and they want to connect with others. That is never going to change. Right. right. So when we look at virtual events, a lot of times they shy away from the live interaction. They want to have it kind of produced already. They want to have pre-recorded sessions and they want to have, um, you know, a template that you can click on to get information versus getting their hands a little messy and just having a live interaction and letting it go and seeing what happens. Um, I think When they choose to kind of strip it down and have a very polished type of event, and I'm not saying that's bad, I'm saying that they miss, as far as I'm concerned, a key element that both attendees and exhibitors are looking for, which is to be able to have that live interaction and to be relatable. Um, there has to be a relatability there.
0: Right. The spontaneity that comes from live is is not there on a canned thing. No, at least no, not to not the at extent. all. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, you know, when we ask questions to exhibitors or to speakers, our first question is answered and then two more pop up behind it, right? Right. So it allows us to kind of delve a little deeper into what does this audience really need from me? What can I really provide? to help them solve problems. Um, and it's not me giving an infomercial and talking about how great my company is. It's about me providing them with hands-on information and education that they can use immediately as soon as they get off the virtual event.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know the attendee perspective is interesting because... Uh, a lot of attendees, they're, they're sitting there in their office or more likely at their home office. And so there's obviously a lot of distractions. And a lot of people, especially with the, the way the, the whole media landscape has evolved in the last 10 years to where you're consuming at your at your leisure, at your time, at your place – uh, TV shows being the big thing, you know, you don't have to sit there and watch and wait for your show, wait for friends to come on. Now you can pull it up anytime, anywhere. And so they, that kind of the mindset, that perspective of, I should be able to pull this up anytime, anywhere. Why do I have to go online at this particular time? Oh, I got to schedule it. I can't do that. And right. so I, I think the live aspect is important, but also that there's, it's got to be archived so that people can, be a part of it, even though they may not be able to submit questions, if that's the critical uh, thing they're doing at that point, wouldn't you?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if you had a segment within your virtual event, even if it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes, where it does have that live interaction, I think the number of people that would show up would be astronomical. Um, even though people are having uh, Zoom fatigue at this point, I mean, <laughs> I know I am,
0: Yeah, but... Right.
1: Being able to connect with people and to, you know, kind of look up, right? I mean, we're asking them to stop, you know, producing, producing and actually look up and go, Hey, what's happening in this moment and making sure that they're present in that moment. Um, If you think back, you know, the last time you and I did a webinar, do you remember this? It was like three or four years ago. Yes. Someone was ringing my doorbell (laughs) in the middle of our webinar (laughs) And I was mortified. I was so mortified that that happened. And now if it happens, nobody cares. You just go, no, oh, yeah, nobody cares. The dog's cares. barking, <laughs> the
0: mailman's here.
1: Yeah, my mom could walk in. Where's my it's mind? I part mean, of the
0: landscape.
1: It's absolutely part of the landscape. And again, it goes back to that idea of relatability. We're We're in a situation where there's so many things that are outside of our control. Right. We can't control what's happening in the economy. We can't control what's happening with the pandemic. We feel like we can't control what's happening in politics. There's so much that's outside of our purview of being able to hold on to it. Being able to really let go of an additional aspect of control, I think is really opening a space that people can come into. It's that it, vulnerability. There, yeah.
0: yeah. I was going to say, there's so many unknowns about that because you're right. A lot of us are moving into spaces where, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, my family and I, every other week, we have a Zoom meeting, uh, three brothers and my mom. And, you know, I have one brother who's not tech savvy. He's, it took him like three or four weeks to finally figure out how to log in uh, on a regular basis. Uh, I got two brothers. I ah, don't know, Biggie, we can do that. And my mom, who's 92, you know, she bought, we bought a new laptop for her uh, about six right. months ago. And I've had to, you know, she's lives about 35 miles away. I've been there a number of times to help her set it up and get the zoom in there and that stuff. And now after like the seventh or eighth time we've done that, you see your pop up, you see connecting to audio. She knows how to do it, but that's like three things she knows how to do on the computer, but it does take some time to adjust to all of that stuff. Even if it's as simple as that. Now, when you get into all the other stuff about putting them on from the other end, you know, right. putting the audio out there, making sure the feed is on all the cameras. No, I mean, you can get very, very complex. And I've seen uh, some webinars and some, uh, some events that uh, go into that uh, in depth. But there's a lot of unknown there. And so I think uh, you're right. You kind of have to just embrace that, um, you know, as we move into the, the fall season. And so that's just yeah, you a have big to challenge. the
1: chaos. I yeah, mean,
0: exactly. that's life.
1: Life is messy and crappy. And, yeah. You know, stop apologizing for it.
0: Yeah, it's like it is by what why the third day of the trade show, you all oh, you didn't sweep the floor like you know, the carpet like you should have, but uh, we'll just pick up the big pieces. right? Whereas on right. day one, hour one, it was perfect. So right, yeah.
1: Sometimes what we focus on as important in details has nothing to do with with the other person. It's nothing to do with our audience. And um, I was actually having a conversation. Yesterday with uh, Joe Angel, who's the president of PMMI Media Group, and we were talking about that, and he was like, you know, a lot of speakers sometimes want to hold their information close to their chest, and we're in an environment where they want to get together and talk about solutions, and everyone benefits from that, everyone.
0: Yeah, I've seen some presentations uh, where the guy goes to his uh, PowerPoint deck and all that, and that's nice to see that. And uh, it's interesting to me, and when you're doing it live, you want as little information on as possible because you're going to talk about what's up there. You don't want to fill it with bullet points because that just yeah. you're going to read the bullet points. Whereas on on a Zoom webinar, it's almost as if you need that information there. And at the end, I was really grateful that they made that. Uh, if you want a download of that, go here. So you can uh, have that and look at it at your own leisure. You can go back and look at that. I think that was very valuable. So there is some differences between doing like that kind of presentation live versus doing it in a session online to where you're sharing that. Uh, What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Anything that allows the audience to get tools to help them solve problems is always the right choice. Um, And it's not about me coming in to save the day as the hero. It's me giving the tools to the audience so they can go out and do the hero. So that's, I, I think that's great to be able to share, share as much as you can. I mean, if you give away 80% and, and that's okay, you're okay with that, your audience will absolutely love you and it gives you long-term relevancy in the end because they know you're someone who, has information that you're willing to share with others
0: so let's uh you you obviously work with some of these companies that do that what kind of things are they running into how often are they doing these types of meetings are you working with organizations that do like once a year for big events or is it more like uh they're working with clientele and and so how do they gauge the 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 i guess the the cadence of how often they do something like that that's pretty critical question for a lot of companies i think is how often do we put ourselves out there how often do we invite people so they aren't burning out, but we're still getting the information out there. What kind of answers so, do you want for that?
1: I think for associations, I mean, I think for this fall, um, this is gonna be a great test for them to mm-hmm. see how they show up and what they provide. Um, I think having even a portion of a live interaction uh, event within the virtual trade show will absolutely provide a lot of value. Um, and for organizations, I think it should be really as often as they have expertise, content, expertise and content that they can share with somebody else. Um, and again, I don't think it has to be overproduced or, you know, cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to do. Right. I, you know, I mean, if you're really budget strapped, you could take a phone. And do Facebook Live, <laughs> and talk for ten minutes where you're sharing, you know, three tips on something that someone can immediately use, and then you know, have it available, and then you know, post it and email it out. I mean, that's that's like the lowest of the, of the low budgets, right? Like,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's and, and on your and shoe straps. I so, think a lot of the people you're probably talking to are solo entrepreneurs or, or working, uh, on a single business. Uh, I mean, just themselves or maybe one or two people. So that makes sense for them. But then you're also, you know, there's companies that have a hundred employees uh, 5,000 employees that they've got a whole different range of, of options that they can and look at. But you're, you're right. I think the, the, as long as you're getting the engaging content out there on a basis that people remember you, uh, that is probably the critical point. I mean, I subscribe to a couple of people that do uh, sales training and that sort of thing. And, and every week or two, they're doing a webinar or they're on Facebook uh, every day. I know that when this pandemic started, Jeffrey Gittimer, the sales guru was every single day, he was on uh, Facebook live for half an hour, 45 minutes. I think he's pulled back from that, but that went on for like a hundred days.
1: Right, uh, he was right. Sharing
0: thoughts. He was meandering and it was kind of interesting. If you like that style, uh, it was great. Um, so, but yeah, uh,
1: absolutely. you have to find absolutely. out what fits,
0: fits you. I think that's really a big part of it.
1: Yeah. And it, you know, many hands make the burden light. Yeah. So if there are other people in your organization that you can interview, that can, um, help you with, with content and it doesn't have to just be a webinar. I mean, you could provide, uh, an article or a blog on some tips and then follow it up with a webinar if people ask more detailed questions or do a recording and and share some information and then ask people to have questions ready and then a couple weeks later have a live event where they can get together and they can talk about the content, kind of like a a book club for for webinars. Um, You know, there are so many different ways of doing it, but to me the key is you have to be willing to to jump into the pool first.
0: Right, right. Um,
1: there are a lot of people that are holding back on, well, what are other people doing with live interaction and, and webinars? And, you know, I'm not really sure what I should do. And my tip is the first one out the gate <laughs> is the one who sets the standard for all. Yeah. If you're the one who's leading, everyone else follows you. So, if you create content and a live interaction that works for your company and your audience, everyone else is going to try to play catch up. And they're going to compare it against the original, which is you. Um, And you're not going to have competitors in that space for a while because they're going to go, oh crap. And they're going to have to try to to catch up to get into that space. Um, That's the fastest way that you can take. Uh, market share and accelerate your revenue is to be the first within a space or the only within a space. Me too strategies don't work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, one more thought here before we wrap it up, Lisa, and that is uh, uh, something I've started doing just of the last couple of months. Uh, it was from a uh, blog post that uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Orbit Media, a guy there named Andy. I can't think of Andy's last name, but they did some uh, research recently that was pretty in-depth and they found out that uh, they started doing video versions, like two and three minute video versions of old blog posts and then reposting them
1: uh-huh. and finding out there
0: was more engagement in those, at least noticeably, not huge, terrifically, but more engagement. Plus it's taking old content and kind of refreshing it. So I started taking old blog posts from three, four, five, six years ago, refreshing them and doing a short two minute video on them with a couple of uh, images and stuff. It takes me an hour to do that. I do that once a week and uh, I'm just curious to see how that, uh, you know, if it does cause more engagement, Um, haven't noticed anything yet, but again, it's early. And so we'll just see how it goes, but it is another way to get out there. And I think it also uh, it's, there's a low barrier to doing that because a webinar, you've got to invite people, you've got to schedule it. You've got to get a lot more going on there. And this is just kind of a shorter way to put out content that you hope is valuable to some people. I'm just curious if that uh, has resonates with you, if you've, you've seen that before.
1: Absolutely. If there's any way you can repurpose content you have, I think that's key. People take content and um, absorb it in different ways, right? Some people like to read a blog. Some people want to watch a two minute video. Someone wants an infographic.
0: Um,
1: Someone wants an in-depth white paper. Someone wants a webinar. There's so many different ways. Um, I think a big key to when you are creating content People do like to smaller bites. It, It's, and I think this is a Japanese uh, saying, it's easier to take many small steps in the right direction than one giant leap with the possibility of falling back.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> so, and I love that. I'm like, absolutely.
0: Yes. And we it's can all a lot take less scary yeah. for you,
1: right? I mean, if you're not sure and you do something small, You gain a little confidence, and then you can do the next, and the next, and the next. And it also allows you to test different types of content: what works, what doesn't, without a huge investment. And your audience will start to tell you if you if you have that availability of comments and you know having people give you feedback which way they want to go with your content. And when you do the live interactions and you pepper those in you get immediate feedback from your audience about what they like and what they don't. Yeah, and so, you learn about their, their needs and their issues in a very different way.
0: Agreed. There's value to all sorts. Every, every time type, type of uh, content you put out there, I think there's some value to it and there's some trade off as well. Lisa Apolinski of three dog, right? I really appreciate you spending some time on uh, the, the, the morning uh, broadcast here <laughs> podcast. Where's a great way to connect with you online.
1: Uh, you can go to my website, 3dogwrite.com. It's the number three, dog, D-O-G, write, w r I T E to.
0: You don't have to draw the picture of the dog you're spelling out. <laughs>
1: no, no you don't want me drawing. That's <laughs> –
0: 3dogwrite.com. Like, oh, com. my
1: God, sick to writing. Yeah. Um, you can also uh, send me an email at lisa at 3dogwrite.com. Right. And – you know, if you have a question, I I love to talk about this stuff. I think you know yes, there's you live so it. much I can tell. we can do. Yeah, yep. and I'm I'm all for you know having a conversation.
0: So well, cool. I, I appreciate you spending time on this conversation. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to uh, Lisa Appelinski of Three Dog Write Incorporated for uh, agreeing to sit down and have a nice chat about digital worlds and engagement and all that sort of stuff in a in a trade show event in conference world, which is different than we expected it to be. Uh, You can find the links to her website on the show notes at tradeshowguyblog.com. If you're not watching that right there now, Uh, this week's one good thing. It's a great work of fiction. I'm reading, uh, it's called Island Beneath the Sea by Chilean author, Isabel Allende about the founding of Haiti. She's quite the writer. It's quite the book. I'm about a third of the way through and it's really, really good. Highly recommended uh, again, uh, Island Beneath the Sea by Isabel Allende. Good stuff. That wraps it up for this week's Trade Show Guy Monday Morning Coffee. I do appreciate you hanging out and checking it out, uh, whether it's like, you know, on Monday the 3rd of August or whether it's a week or a month or six months later. I'm <laughs> glad you ran across this uh, online because it's just going to exist there forever. Tradeshowguy.net's the place to find all the stuff we do here at Trade Show Guy Exhibits. Again, I'm Tim. Thanks a lot.